Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hey everyone, real quick before today's episode starts, I just want to do some housekeeping here. So if you do not already, please follow me on the social medias, Twitter and Instagram, with the handle at RealChrisPlatty, that's C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E, and stay tuned there because I got a lot of stuff coming as far as uh, announcements for the YouTube channel, as well as the podcast itself as we approach the NBA season. So without further ado, let's jump to today's episode, a Central Division preview with my favorite Pistons writer, James Edwards III of The Athletic. This was an awesome podcast, and I'm excited for you guys to listen. So enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a very special episode of Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty, and as we finish these division previews, I got my man, one of my favorites, my absolute favorite Pistons writer, James Edwards of The Athletic, joining me via his car. James, how you doing? I'm doing well, Chris, man. I appreciate that. Those are kind words. Um, thank you for having me on. And if I'm not mistaken, you, do you do stuff with Dead End Hip Hop, too? I think I saw that in your bio before. Yes, I do, and I and I wanted to also point out to you before before we got on air, but I didn't. So I think it, I think I could bring it up now. Uh, I see I see that little uh, what do you call it the wallpaper on Twitter, not your profile picture, but the one behind it. Uh, yeah, you background. got some you got some records. So is that is that your collection or is that just a picture of some of your favorite albums or what is that? Oh no, that's yeah no, that's my collection. It's a little that was taken a few years ago. It's a little bit bigger now. Um, yeah, I think I have somewhere like six seven hundred records and Damn. more than 50 percent are like hip-hop lps but yeah no i've been on dead end hip-hop since man like early like when they would go to like random places in atlanta like i <laughs> go all the way back to like i think 2012 or something like that was their first year 14 mm-hmm. i've been watching it since then so that's kind of crazy yeah m- myself as well uh the one who put me the the way I found them was through one of my favorites my arguably my favorite artist ever John Connor from Flint Michigan yeah that's um, where I'm from and, and that's all that's awesome man John Connor is one of my absolute favorites he's a superhero of mine so I uh I found I found them reviewing his th- his uh his mixtape I think it was season two at the time or one of his early mixtapes and yeah. I was blown away by by Dead and Hip Hop, and I've been following them ever since. And then, you know, I joined them in a fantasy basketball league, and then next thing you know, I'm telling them to check out my podcast. And now, now, now we're here, and I'm working with Dead End. And I went to Atlanta in the summer to record at their studio, and it was it was a good time. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, I talk to BZ every now and then on Twitter. Oh yeah, um, he's really dope. He's obviously a Detroit guy, and yeah, that John Connor mixtape they did. I think it might have been like his state of mind album or something I forget. unconscious state of mind oh yeah unconscious state yeah one of my best friends is a producer and has two beats on that album actually 
Oh man, bro! So, listen, we gotta we gotta talk about that. We gotta get to the basketball because I'm not trying to hold yeah, you up, yeah, but, yeah, sure. but we gotta uh, we gotta get to that another time. A few weeks ago, they're making some new stuff now, so I'm sure oh, man. you as a fan, you'll uh, you'll hear something soon. Oh man, <laughs> I could talk about John Cutter all day, but let's get to some basketball. Let's preview the Central Division now. In this podcast, the way we do it is we go from the the record worst to first ba- based on last year's records. We, we have one question of what we're looking forward to with each team, one question or challenge that each team faces, and then we and then we take a look at their current Vegas over-unders, and we make a prediction. So if we're starting at the bottom, we're starting with the Cleveland Cavaliers. James, what is your first uh, – what is, what is the most important thing for Cleveland going forward this year? The big thing, obviously, I established an identity. I know it's super cliche, but new coach, a bunch of young guys um, – they were in Detroit. Uh, was it earlier this week? Last week? I'm already mixing stuff up. Uh, it was a couple weeks ago. I think it's, uh, it's Michigan State, right? Well, no, the Cavaliers and the Pistons. Oh yeah, the preseason. Um, okay. On, yeah, on the preseason. Yeah. So I saw them either Monday or last week. I can't mm-hmm. remember, but um, they. I think they have the ability to play hard, play scrappy. They're not going to win many games, but with Colin Sexton, I think Garland can get after it. I'm not the biggest Jordan Clarkson fan, but he plays hard. Um, I think he's going to be second or he's going to be up there in shot attempts, Jordan Clarkson. They just need to establish an identity, kind of figure out who they are, um, get some of the young guys going. At They're not going to win a lot of games, like I said, but I think they can uh, be annoying for some teams on some nights. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I think to point out something positive on what will most likely be a, a very a very tough season for them. Last season, I thought they made some nice moves with the trades of George Hill trying to move the J.R. Smith contract. Like, I think they handled things the right way. They kind of used their high salaries in order to return some picks and, and get some prospects. And now they have Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. And that is where I'm at because they've both had high usage in the preseason and I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that pairing works, James. Do you do you see that pairing working, or do you see or do you see them having to be split up and play with Jordan Clarkson? Yeah, uh, to be honest, I'm not really sure. I, they're both very small. Like Garland's even smaller in person than I thought. And I knew he was small. Sexton's small. Um, I, I think they're going to have issues at times, and I think Garland's kind of the guy. Beeline's going to eventually kind of. Uh, put the ball in his hands more i don't know what they do with sexton i might be wrong but i, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they, they try to make a garland show and, and move on from sexton at some point mm-hmm. uh, but I, I mean i like him i think he's going to be an okay player i like kevin porter jr if he can kind of get his mind right and and stick the course in the nba and have good have good mentors and influences around him i think he'll be okay i like his game yeah but i i, I don't see the sexton garland pairing work because they both are very very small um, but I think one of them, specifically Garland, um, has the potential to to be really good. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I think that I think that Garland has a, a very a very high upside, but I'm not I'm not either sold on the pairing of Sexton and Garland. I don't think they they're ready to move on from Sexton, but I think that that will be a reality that will become. Uh, that will happen quicker if Darius Garland plays well, and I think that'll be an easier reality for them to embrace. But, uh, but for now, they're going to definitely try to play them together and see how they go. They're over yeah. under. Okay, I'm sorry. So I was just going to say, say, and I don't really see, and I haven't watched enough, obviously, mm. 
Cleveland in the preseason. I don't see either one as kind of an off-ball guy. Yeah. I think both are at their best with the ball in their hand, and at a point they're going to have to make a decision with that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, don't, I, don't see, uh, I don't see it working out in the long term. Yeah. Uh, so their over-under is at 24-and-a-half. Last season they got 19 wins, uh, so that's, uh, that's a six-game improvement if you're taking the over. I, I hate to bet against I, I hate to bet unders on the on the lowest over unders just because at the end of the day these NBA teams have NBA talent and they, they find ways to win games whether it be through taking advantage of scheduling uh, uh, of tough scheduling for a team or you know home games and all that but I don't see I don't see a five win improvement in this on this roster a six win improvement so I'll take the under I guess yeah I'm with you I'm gonna take the under I just I don't know who the, if games are tight, who they go to. I know Kevin Love is still there, but like, can, but can we expect Kevin Love to play a whole season? Yeah. Um, and then the young guys, are they ready to kind of? Is it going to take them a while for someone to kind of emerge as a late game go to guy? Um, do you right now? I mean, I think Jordan Clarkson's probably the guy. If you need a bucket at the end of the game, he's going to be on the floor. Um, and I'm not sure that's that's going to win you basketball games, but. No, I'm going to take the under by a hair. Maybe they get to 22-23, but, yeah, I don't expect them to win twenty over 24 games. I don't either. Now let's move on to the Chicago Bulls. This is a team that's making a lot of headlines because uh, John Hollinger had the Bulls over the Pistons. And the Bulls have kind of been this under the radar. A lot of a, a lot of basketball analysts are are you know trying to pick this in Atlanta as a, as sneaky playoff teams or as sneaky good teams, just because yeah. they have exciting young cores. But I I, I got to be honest with you, James. I mean, my my thing coming into season is I just I I don't see this team being any better than Atlanta and I don't see his team making a, 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 an incredible jump I like the front the front court of Porter Marketing and Wendell Carter and Zach Levine we know is a good offensive player he said he's working on his defense but that's something that you know he's gonna have to prove in games so I'm not really too I, I just I don't see this big jump that some people are projecting do you you know what? That's a, it's a tough because I I see what like you said they're kind of the sexy pick from uh, basketball nerds like ourselves and and I see why um, I'm a huge marketing fan like I think there's going to be a point where he has a breakout season and it could be as soon as this year. Uh, Wendell Carter impressed me last year. I I like Otto Porter um, if the guys around him can emerge and and, mm-hmm. and kind of fill the roles as as go to guys. I don't think Porter is. A, he shouldn't be your one or two option, um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think he's going to be in Chicago. I thought he was pretty solid when he first got there last year. Um, I like Levine. I like everything I've heard about coming from Levine this offseason. Uh, but like you said, you got to show me that you're going to play defensively. Um, the shot has to continue to improve. Uh, I like the team. I don't love their bench. Um, they'll get Denzel Valentine back, but I'm not sure if that's a, a game changer off the bench. Um, a lot of things would have to go right. They'd have to be relatively healthy for for most of the year. Levine would have to continue to develop defensively, obviously, as we talked about. His shooting would have to improve, and marketing would really need to take that next step. Um, I don't think they make the playoffs this year. I think they're a year away. But, again, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised because there are some uncertainties with teams like the Pacers and Detroit, too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just – I, I I tend to I tend to 
try to try my best to not get excited about the young and up and coming teams because those teams are typically they let us down more than they more than they impress us you know teams right. like minnesota in the past um so with that be with that being said i i like their offseason i thought they did have a good offseason you know they they kept the core intact i like the pickup of sadaransky again he's another yeah, guy I meant to mention him i like i like sadaransky and i like how you have a you have another guy different from Levine that you can use in the pick and roll. I'm, I'm a big mm-hmm. Sadoransky guy. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. It'll, it'll be interesting that they finally have what I think is is a good point guard because Chris Dunn. I was never, I was never too sold on him. He was, he was a little too shaky for my liking. Sadoransky mm-hmm. seems to be someone who's solid. So I, I, I do see a jump in this team uh, as far as wins go. They got only 22 wins last year. I definitely see a jump, but do I see? you know, this 15, 16, 17 game jump that it would take to make the playoffs. I, I, I just don't think so because right now their line is at, their line is at 34.5 and that's about what I have, what I have them at. I think they, I think they do have, you know, 10 to 13 win improvement on the horizon for them. But I, I can't see, I'd, I'd be honest with you. If I, if I if they got more than 36 wins, I'd be shocked. Yeah, that's where I'm about. So I'm going to take the over. I can mm-hmm. see them getting 36 wins, maybe 37, 38. But I, I think they're they're right in that high 30s, mid to high 30s. Um, again, if, if relatively healthy, I, I do think they get the over. Yeah, yeah, but not by much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let's jump to the team you cover and my hometown team, the Detroit Pistons. So, Pistons. I thought had a had a really solid offseason. They upgraded their roster on the wings with guys like Rose and Snell and Luke could also, you know, someone that everybody's kind of really expecting to take a step forward. We'll also kind of compile piling some of these assets, you know, uh, of course the draft picks and you know and, and Sevy who they got at the deadline last year. So I thought they had a pretty solid last season or, or off season I should say. But the question I have with, with this team is that you talked about this a lot. You talked about the Pistons. I've, I've read a couple of your articles on The Athletic talking about you know that last roster spot and what, and what you're hearing is that they want to keep Johnson and Wood. So, so to do that, they'd have to trade somebody like a Kyrie Thomas. Uh, and do you think, is your gut opinion right now that they do make a trade or that they don't make a trade and they, and they cut one of Joe or Wood? Yeah, man, I've never seen so much hoopla over one of the last roster spots. Like people in Detroit <laughs> right. are acting like it's going to change their fortunes. Like Christian Wood has been very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been very good during the preseason. But, again, he's just a backup center. He's played yeah. as well as you would expect a backup center to play. It's not like it's game-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Johnson has not been good on the court, but I, I'm one of those guys that find value in locker room guys. Like Absolutely. I think that's super important in the NBA when you're when you're together all the time. Um when you have a bunch of young guys, especially on that perimeter positions, um, on those swing men positions, they, they got a lot of young guys there. And Joe's been through it all. Joe knows his place in the NBA now. He's happy to just be back. Um, and I think he has some some words of encouragement that could help these young guys. My gut tells me they do make a trade. I mean, Kyrie Thomas, Fima Hailuk, and Bruce Brown were their 2008 second round, not picks. They got Bruce Brown. They drafted him, traded up. They're traded to get Kyrie Thomas from Philly and mm-hmm. then at the deadline traded from a high loop. But those guys are from the same class. And 
at a point, the front office was going to have to make a decision on, on one of those three, I thought. I, I would have been very surprised if all three um, were who play kind of similar positions um, were going to be on the roster for, for long term. Um, and it just seems like they're going to push that forward. Mahailuk was the one Casey kind of saw emerge his preseason and gave him a chance to try to take some minutes from Langston Galloway in the second unit. I'm not sure if he's done enough to do that, but it's clear that he's above Kyrie Thomas right now. As you know, Bruce Brown started 50-plus mm-hmm. games as a rookie, and he's going to start again this year. So Thomas is kind of just lost in the sauce. He's a second-round guy that guys around draft time thought could go in the first round. Um, he makes a little bit more than Mahai Luke and Brown, about like $1.1 million this year. So it's not a hard contract to move, but it would be harder of the, of the young guys. I, I, I just think that there's really no room for Kyrie right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they really want to be a little more, uh, have a little more depth in the front court, cause they are thin. Um, the, you, you want to keep Christian Wood around, whether he plays over down or not. Um, and then if you want to have another veteran presence, you keep Joe Johnson. So I think they do try to find a way to keep both and then trade somebody, whether that be Kyrie, whether that be Langston, whether that be Thon. Um, but again, it takes two to tango. So if they're not able to find a, a suiting trade partner, I think Joe Johnson's the one to go. I know, you, 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 like I said, you value you value um, locker room presence to a point, but, I mean, production on the court first and foremost, if you can keep a guy that's going to be a little bit more productive, you keep that. Yeah, a- absolutely. absolutely. I'm, I'm with you on the, on the Joe Johnson impact of just the veteran impact, I should say, in general. And I do think that it comes down to that wing rotation you know, with with it being, you know, with Ty- Kyrie Thomas looking on on the outside looking in, I I could see, I could see a scenario where where they where they ship him off to a to a team that's looking for just some some young guys to try and take some flyers on, and you know I think there I think there's value in that by the league, but I don't think I don't think they have the, I, I don't think they're gonna cut. Kyrie Thomas and keep no, Joe Johnson. I think I if, don't either. I think if they don't trade him, then they're going. And like you mentioned in your articles, you know, Langston Galloway, obviously that $7 million is a lot harder to move, especially at this time when so much money is tied up till December 15th. So teams don't really have that $7 million that's easily tradable. Um, and, and so I, I could definitely see Kyrie Thomas being the one to go if there is if there is one to go. And I, I do like the idea of keeping Wood and Thon just because I, I, I felt last year I felt very I felt the front line was very thin even with Zaza and Thon. It just it felt right. like the Pistons just didn't have it. And you know adding Markeith, adding Markeith I think I think really helps that front line. But I, I would like to keep I would like to keep Wood on the on the team as well. Yeah, I mean I think he's just shown that he could be. A solid NBA backup. Um, he's young, and with Andre Drummond likely to be a free agent next summer, you never know. You might find a diamond in the rough where you keep Wood around and, and he develops into something more. I just think his upside is he's shown that there's something there that mm-hmm. you shouldn't just let him go. And I and I don't I don't think they'll do that. I, th- I think they'll find a way to keep him on the roster. I I think so too. Now before we get off of the Pistons, I want to talk about. I want to talk about their their wing rotation because that I think is the biggest thing. Obviously, last year the perimeter is where Detroit struggled the most. They they really didn't have 
outside of Blake Griffin, they didn't really have a lot of shot creating. Luke Kennard stepped up and Reggie Jackson, but it was clear that the that that those wing positions and and just in terms of shot creating was was lacking. And so you know they got a guy like Tony Snell is not exactly a shot creator, but he is someone who can shoot the ball. Uh, Derek Rose is an absolute upgrade over Ish Smith as much as I love Ish Smith. But so I'm looking. I'm. I think that there's that there's going to be a very noticeable improvement. I I know that this isn't the greatest perimeter rotation in the NBA. It's far from it. But I I really do think that there's going to be a big. Uh, a, a big and very noticeable difference in in the production we get from the perimeter this year. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, obviously Derrick Rose is a big name. He's a name people respect, and as they should. He's a former MVP, and he resurrected his career last year. Mm-hmm. I'm a little more tamed on my my Derrick Rose, um, what he'll bring to the table. I I think there will be nights where he's really, really, really good. Um, yeah. Then I think there's some nights where he's going to be at. Um, I, I think that's just kind of where the state, where he's at in his career. Um, some of those lengthier teams like in Orlando, um, a Philadelphia, he might have a little more, he might struggle a little bit more finishing in the hoop and he, he plays a little wild. He likes to attack and those longer teams from what I've seen in, with him in Detroit, he struggles with a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, he, I, like you said, he is an upgrade over ish. That's no question. Um, I think Luke Kennard is going to take a, a massive step. I mean, you saw in the playoffs last year, he was the team's best player in the playoffs until Blake yeah. got back. Um, really, after like his kind of sideline blow up in, in Sacramento um, in January, he, he was a different player around the trade deadline. Um, he, he started to be a little bit more assertive, and I think that's one thing I've taken away from the preseason is his shot selection. Shot selection. Um, he's taking the shots that Dwayne Casey wants him to take. He's not really hesitating. Um, it looks like that message has gotten through to him and he's accepted it. And he's such a good shooter that I think there's a chance, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. I think there's a chance that he averages somewhere between 12 and 14 points a game this year, um, which would be massive for Detroit. Now, yeah. the thing is, Bruce Brown, he's not going to improve as a, he's not, his shooting improvements not necessarily going to show this year. I don't think he might shoot a better percentage. He's not going to take many threes. But it looks like he's found a way to get a shot or create for others by attacking, getting deep in the paint. He's, he possibly looks like he might have improved his finishing. Um, I know that was a big emphasis with him. I talked to him about it. There's a story on The Athletic talking about how he kind of last year realized he was jumping too far away from the basket, and that hurt his finishing numbers. Um, he's looked pretty good in the preseason doing it. Does Langston Galloway run away with that, that other guard spot in the second unit? Um, he's been streaky. Very streaky, um, and he's hot for two weeks, and then he's cold for a month. Can he be a little bit more consistent um, and then bring what he does defensively, or is Dwayne Casey going to go to somebody like Sri Mahaluk, who behind closed doors can shoot the ball, um, can put the ball on the floor, but he really hasn't done it in the game setting out in the open. So there's a lot of questions there still, but I think without a doubt Detroit got better in terms of adding just, just, just talent. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's the key here, right? Like the the Vegas over under is very tricky for the Pistons. They have them at thirty seven point five. Uh, they they had forty one wins last year, so they're projecting a four win uh, decline for the Pistons. And you know, I, I I understand the case. the The Bulls are better. The Hawks are better. Um, the the Nets are the Nets are probably better. Maybe maybe depending depending on you know obviously without KD. 
you know, who knows if they're if they're better or not. But they're around the same team. The Heat are going to be better. So I, I understand, but I still, even with the concerns about Blake, like that last season was likely going to be Blake's best season. I don't see him topping that. I see him being near that, but I don't see him topping last season in terms in terms of games played and, and just statistical performance. But I do think the upgrades that the Pistons made over the offseason at least keep us around the same team. So I, I feel I feel pretty comfortable taking the over, even though there there is a lot of reason to to predict that there might be a little slide for Detroit. Yeah, and that's fair. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think Atlanta is better. I think Chicago is better. The Nets, I'm interested to see because I, I thought they had great continuity, great chemistry with D'Angelo Russell kind of leading the way. But I, Kyrie's a head case, man, and that could mess things up. Um, and then you throw in the fact that Jared Allen's better than DeAndre Jordan, and DeAndre Jordan's going to take some of those minutes. Yeah. Um, there's could be there could be some interesting things that go on in Brooklyn that might not have them as good as people think right away. Um, so I'm interested to see that. But Detroit, like we said, they're a better team. The big thing is, and and I've kind of said this in some stories, are they much? Are they significantly better enough that with Blake likely and more than likely going to miss games due to load management if he's um, relatively healthy. Say he misses seven to ten games with load management. Can the Pistons post a 500 record in those games? That's the big question. Um, At minimum, a 500 record at minimum. Are they that much better um, than a year ago when they struggled when in the few games Blake sat out, which is very few? Um, But are they good enough? to stay afloat without Blake Griffin. Um, because if Blake Griffin's healthy, I think this team gets back into the playoffs. If he's not healthy, then we have a then there's an issue. If he's healthy, but they're kind of going, like I said, seven to ten games with the load management, the big thing is, is Detroit good enough to stay afloat when in games where he's just missing the, because they want to make sure if they make the playoffs, he's ready to go. Right. I, I think that's... I think that's an absolutely great point. Uh, the Pistons did struggle without Blake Griffin mightily last season, and you know you're right. I, I definitely see him missing seven to ten games. I think that I think that that is in the books for for Blake Griffin. I think it has to be if you're if you're Detroit and you want and and you want anything more than to just be roadkill in the playoffs like you were last year. Like if you want anything more than that, any type of improvement, you have to load manage Blake Griffin and so seven to ten games is a is a is a fair amount now I don't know their number off hand last season in in uh in the games that he didn't play because he played what 75 last year correct yes and I remember he sat out a game in and this is before he got hurt at the end of the year mm-hmm. all I remember off the top of my head because all the games blend together after a while I know he yeah. sat out a game in Philly and i because I remember talking to him after that, and I know he sat out a game in Sacramento. Other than that, I don't remember if he had another load management day. The rest of the, I think the missed games came from when he got injured toward the end of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I know I remember two kind of load management days, though. I know for sure two load management days. Yeah, I remember the Philly one because they got absolutely smacked that game. I remember that. Um, yeah, I don't. I think Luke had 29 in that game or so. That's all I like yeah. Luke had a really good game, and that was kind of all I remember about that. 
Yeah, um, I don't recall the Kings one, but that sounds right. It's not, I do remember more than more than one game. So yeah, um, so yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't pretend to remember their record offhand, but I do remember the all the games that they lost down the stretch when Blake wasn't playing. So yeah, I, if I had I don't know their their record off the top of my head, but if I had to guess, if it was like six or seven games that he missed last year. I would say they went likely what like two and five in that stretch. Something yeah, like that. if I had to guess, because I know I'm 100 percent sure it was a Sacramento game because I think that was the game. Right, I think it, he he returned to the Clippers. Then there was a game in Sacramento, and then I think we flew back to LA to play the Lakers, and then he sat him and Dwayne sat him out for the Kings game, and I know they lost that one because that's the one I think where Luke had the blow up on the sideline. Um. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, they lost that one in Sacramento. Yeah, they yeah, that's right. So yeah, two for sure that I can remember. Okay. So again, their their over under is at thirty seven point five. I have them at the over. I think that they upgraded their roster enough to withstand. Um, obviously, obviously, you know, not any catastrophic injuries, uh, but you know, they they have enough to withstand what's reasonable expectations are as far as Blake Griffin's uh, performance this season. So I'll take the slight. I'll take the slight over, despite the Western Conference getting or Eastern Conference getting better. Excuse me. Where Where do you have the Pistons? Uh, it's tough, man. I I think my my gut tells me they're over, but that's really just based off because I just saw Blake Griffin play seventy five games, and if he can do that again, they're in good shape. I just don't know if they can. If he can, um, Reggie Jackson's play this preseason has been concerning. Yes. What do they do with that? Like, do they trade them at some point to try to open up uh, uh, a starting backcourt of Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard and have Luke kind of take over Reggie's role? I'm going to say over, but I'm not sold. It's it's by much more. If if I'm, I'm just Yo, yeah, man. I'm not sold. I wouldn't. I'd stay if I was a better. I'd stay away from Detroit. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I think, and I think that better should take this advice closely, considering you know one that covers the pisses and one that watches the pisses every single game. Trust me, this is one you want to stay away from. Let's jump to Indiana now. Indiana is interesting because they had they had what I would consider a very a very uh, interesting offseason. So obviously, Victor Oladipo is projected. The latest I've heard is that. He's likely back sometime around the new year, sometime in January. But they had a monster offseason, adding T.J. Warren, Malcolm Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, or Jeremy Lamb, sorry, and T.J. McConnell, while losing Darren Collison, who retired unexpectedly, Tyreek Evans' suspension, uh, Bo, uh, Bojan Bodanovich, of course, Thaddeus Young, Wesley Matthews, Corey, uh, Corey Joseph and Kyle O'Quinn. So they lost a lot and they gained a lot, particularly in the wing rotation. So that's where I want to I want to talk about this team is a lot of wing rotation movement. Is this team better? Man, I write off Indiana every year. Like they, have to, <laughs> I, I like think like they have to show me, and then they show me. So this is the year I'm not going to write them off, and then they're probably going to underperform. But I do think they got better i like malcolm brogdon i like Mm -hmm. jeremy lamb in his role i like mcconnell i think uh, they got to kind of figure out the sabonis turner thing but i like both of them yep um and i think they'll be able to stay afloat until aladipo comes back and is at least 80 percent of what he once was i I think they're a well-rounded team i think they're deep i think they're going to play hard there's already kind of a foundation that nate mcmillan put in where these guys 
defensively know what to do. They got some guys that are just ball hawks. Um, mm-hmm. They got some length. I, I like the team. Um, yeah, it's it's tough because that's the one thing that's going that's a positive for Detroit is they play the Pacers four times before all the depot's supposed to come back. So, oh wow, if they could go two and two, three and one, that's kind of massive in that in that series. Um, but like I said, I, I like Indiana. I always write them off. I'm not going to do it this year just because they've earned my respect and what they've done the last few years. I think losing Bogdanovich is huge. I like yes. Bogdanovich a lot. Um, but he was kind of – when Oladipo went down, he was kind of their go-to guy offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not who he is. I think they're a little bit more well-rounded. I'm not sure if Brogdon's going to be as good um, as he was in Milwaukee with, the more, with more responsibility, but I think he'll be fine. Um, yeah, no, I'm in on Indiana. Yeah, and that's where – that's exactly where my problem with Indiana lies. Now, I, I shouldn't say my problem, rather my – rather my conundrum because Bo, uh, Bojan and Tyreek were two wings who were absolutely fantastic for Indiana um, for last season. And Malcolm Brogdon is, was somebody who I, I thought played exceptional in Milwaukee. I like him a lot in Milwaukee. I, I do think he loses some of what he, uh, some of what he had in Milwaukee when he comes over to another team just because he seems to be a player that benefits um, just being around, yes, from Giannis and just being around other great players in a great system. But I I do think it's not much. I still think he's a guy with a very high floor, you know, and and it's just the ceiling is, you know, 10, 20% better than that. But so if you, if, if Malcolm has a little bit of a drop off, you know, or if he has any drop off, it's a little bit, but that's my problem is I just don't, I go back and forth between whether whether Malcolm is better than Bojan and Tyreek together or or if he's not, and I tend to think that he is, and that's why I'll I'll tend to say that they're fine. T.J. Warren, I think was, I was concerned about him. I think he's kind of an empty buckets guy, but this is his chance to prove me wrong on that. Jeremy yeah. Lamb, I do think is a good player, and I do like T.J. McConnell as a guard. I think he's, I think he's an upgrade over Corey Joseph, uh, uh, maybe a minor upgrade, but those are kind of they kind of almost wash each other. It's really interesting because to me, when I look at these rotations, it's almost like despite them being totally different wing rotations, they almost they almost wash each other. But I, I, I if I had to pick, I'd say they slightly upgraded, which is why I liked their I liked their summer, and I think that this is this is a team that's going to be fine until Victor Oladipo comes back. No, I'm with you. I think you made great points. Like, I'm a Bogdanovich fan. Um, I like his game, but – and I've never been a, a Tyreek Evans guy by any means. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, he, he, was, he was good for Indiana. But I do think that Lamb, Brogdon, and if T.J. Warren is legit and he's not an empty buckets guy like you said, I do think those three kind of make up and probably exceed – uh, what you get from Bogdanovich and Tyreek Evans, mm-hmm. um, but again, like like you said, I, I want to see if T.J. Warren um, can put up solid numbers. He doesn't have to put up 19 a night like he did in Phoenix, um, yes. but he has to be efficient, maybe 13, 14, 15 points a game. If he's that guy, Indiana's a very, very dangerous team. Exactly, especially when Oladipo comes back. Adding Oladipo to that wing rotation will be um, will be very will be very good. And if 
Turner and Sabonis can also find uh, find a better fitting between the two. I think they play fine together. I don't think it's I don't think it's you know they're uh, they're unplayable together. They're certainly not that in my eyes. But I do think that they each kind of take a little bit away from each other when they play together. But I think if they can if they can even find a way to improve that chemistry of, of that front line too with Oladipo coming back, then I could see I could see uh, Indiana being a, an even better team than they were last season. Yeah, no, I, I could see it too. Um, and the fact that I've been writing them off and they've been this good, maybe if I jump on the bandwagon, they'll be great. So I'm going I'm to <laughs> stay on that one. Maybe the James Edwards approval is all they is all they need. So. <laughs> Uh, their over under is at forty six and a half, which is super high. Um, I personally, it, it's tough because that that has them currently for for frame of reference that has them as essentially the let's see the the fourth no the fifth in the Eastern Conference, and the while the fifth seed makes sense for some reason forty six point five seems a little bit high to me when your best player is out until January. So I'll take a slight under, but I do think that it that they they'll be a better team than they were last season. If that yeah, makes I'm sense. with you. I think they're somewhere between 43 and 45 wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's weird because I do think they're better, but I I don't know if I can see them getting over. What did you say? 46 or 47 wins. 46.5 to the, is the is the line. I don't know if I can see them getting close to 50 wins. Yeah. Um, without Oladipo, without January. Oladipo, and he's not even going to be a hundred percent in January. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to take the under, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they exceed it. Yeah, I'm going to go. I think they get somewhere between 44 and and 46. Yeah, I think th- I I'm with you. I'm right there. I think they're right on that line. Last season they won 48 for a frame of reference. Um, let's jump to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, now the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, they absolutely shocked me last season. I remember in the playoffs when they got matched up with Toronto, I was thinking, man, with Kawhi Hurt, there is no way that Milwaukee doesn't roll them in four or five. And then, you know, sure enough, they have a great game one, and then all of a sudden it, it just completely flipped, and, and Kawhi just took it to the to the absolute next level. It, you know, they, they had... A, they have a very interesting team, and I think that they they retained a lot of what they what they lost. To me, the the absolute key is with this team. Malcolm Brogdon obviously was their big loss, but can George Hill, who played phenomenal in the playoffs, and Pat Connington, who had who had good moments in the playoffs and throughout the regular season. Can those two give you maybe 80% of what, 80, 85% of what Brogdon gave you? And then if Giannis obviously takes another step like people think he can, then I don't, then I don't think the Brogdon loss is really felt too much. Yeah. See, Milwaukee's in a weird space to me. I think they're by far the best team in this division. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know if I think they're a better team. Um, I, losing Brogdon, I think hurts. I think he was just perfect for that system. He was perfect playing off Giannis, playing with Giannis. Um, I think that's going to hurt. And then as soon as they sign Eric Bledsoe, he goes down south. Like he goes, like his play completely almost does a 180. He was really yes. good up until that. 
and they give him that money, and, and he has not been as good. And I think that could come back to bite them. Um, mm. I think that's what separated them last year is how deep they were. And I think they're still deep. Like, they had, they could run out 10, 11 guys that were really good. I mean, all the way down from Sterling Brown to Ilya Sova. Um, we didn't talk about Miritich, who also went yeah. overseas. So yeah, they, they lost, lost a lot of talent, but they, it's it's crazy to think that they – that that a lot of that talent can be a lot of that loss of talent can be absorbed yeah and it's like they kind of had some guys that overlapped but it was perfect like Miritich and Ilyasova kind of do the same thing yeah um but when you play them together and they're both that efficient that's freaking super dangerous now you just kind of have Ilyasova there who's a good player solid NBA player um I think they're going to expect Divincico to step up um Pat Connaughton was really good like you said can he keep that up I think they're a good team. I think they're the best team in the division. Um, wouldn't be surprised if they don't make it to the finals, though. I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, I, I mean, again, I could see this team being posting an almost identical record to last season. They got what was it, 58 wins last season? Or no, they did get 60. Yeah, so I I would expect them around 57 ish wins this season, somewhere yeah. around there. Uh, just due to the loss of a couple players. But the Eric Bledsoe thing is absolutely huge. Um, the Miritich thing I also don't think is talked about enough. But, again, all that can totally change if Giannis can even take somehow another step. I mean, all, all almost all of that can be erased. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to watch the Bucks. I'm very I'm very curious to see how they – how they fit, how they rebound from last season, and how they move forward. But it, it's it's tough, man. I don't. I just with Philly's size, with a lot of that, I'm I'm with you. If I had to take it, if I had to put, if you had to put a percentage on their on their chances to make the finals, what would you put it right now? Um, I like Philly more. Mm-hmm. 40% like last, chance they make I the play, finals? 40? Yeah, they make the finals. See, like, I think it's higher, but, like, in my opinion, last year, like, it, it would have been, if you asked me that at the beginning of the last season, I would have said 80%. Like, I thought they were right. by far the best team. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's, like, 65 70%. Like, I don't know if my percentages make sense. Like, I think Philly has a higher percent chance to make the finals. Um, but I, I think... Milwaukee if, if Philly doesn't it's Milwaukee um mm, absolutely but I, I don't feel as good about this team as I did this time last year I was high on the Bucks. I liked I liked them and then and I hate to wish this upon a on a guy and or even put this in the atmosphere but like Giannis has been healthy man and yeah he plays a very very aggressive style of basketball and if he goes down at for even some time I don't know how good they are. Um, I mean, I think they're still good, but they're not championship good. Obviously, it's a no-brainer. But, yeah, I mean, at a point, guys get hurt. And I feel like Giannis has escaped that. And if it happens, I, I for some reason, like you you could see it being this year when everything's kind of the, the table set for him and it's kind of got to get ready to eat. I don't know. It's – it could be interesting. I, Giannis plays aggressive, and for him not to have any major injuries is is kind of obscene or obs- like just crazy. But um, you, 
think maybe like a sprained ankle or something. And if that happens and he's out for like a couple months or a couple weeks, I, I would go under on, on uh, their uh, projection. Yeah, 57.5 is just right on the money. That's one that if you're a better, you, I think you stay away from. Because, you know, if, they're, if Giannis is healthy for the regular season, then I think it's a no-brainer that they, that they do, you know, 58 wins just because especially if Giannis takes the next step but if he misses a little bit even just three to five games you know or something along those lines then Milwaukee can Milwaukee can slip or if Eric Bledsoe is Eric Bledsoe of the playoffs and not Eric Bledsoe of the regular season so there's a lot of interesting factors I I still think that they're you know arguably uh arguably you know first or second in the in the Eastern Conference but I do I do see that there's there's some reason for concern here. So I'll go with the slight under. Are you going the over or the under on fifty seven point five? I'm gonna go under. I think they I think they beat fifty, but I don't think it's by much. Like maybe I'll cap it at like fifty four, fifty five. Yeah. The rest of the league got better too, man. Like it's just it's gonna be tougher. Agreed. Be, I agree. It's gonna be tougher. All right, James. Well, I know you're getting ready to play basketball, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold you up anymore. I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. This was this was really uh, really a special moment for my podcast as somebody that that liked your writing. I, I loved your I loved your recent piece you had about the about the teal jerseys. That was an awesome oral history. Go check that out on the Athletic if you have not. Uh, James, you got anything you want to promote before before we close the show? Oh man, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean. If you haven't checked out the athletic please do if you're a diehard sports fan i i, I couldn't recommend it more um uh, it's less than just one less i always pitch one less beer a month one less <laughs> one less beer a week and the athletic which is subscription based is is all yours if you're a diehard sports fan we us writers at the athletic we go a little bit deeper with some of the stuff um we, we have more time to do stories I, it, it's for the it's for the sports fan that really wants to know about their team and everything around them. Um, so yeah, it, I think the teal jersey, the oral, his, oral history of how the Pistons got teal jerseys and that logo and their mascot. I think that's a great place to start if you're a, uh, a wacky sports fan. I think that's a that's a good starting point. <laughs> yes, it was an excellent read. I did not, I I did not, I learned a lot about that about the teal jersey in that time. Like it, it really clicked in my mind. Like oh my god, it was only four seasons. <laughs> like yeah, it was. It's really, it's really crazy, and you know, to see to see Joe Dumars and Grant Hill talk about it, you know, and um, you know, kind of see where where Joe Dumars feels about it, you know, how he was, how he kind of represented the old school Detroit mentality, and then there were some players that represent the new school and wanted something fresh, and you know, moving on from the bad boy era. So it's a fantastic read, highly recommend it, James. I thank you for, I thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man, and. Uh, and I definitely want to have some more hip hop conversation with you as well. Sounds like there's more to touch on in that area too. Yeah, man, no, for sure. I appreciate you having me on. This is a lot of fun, and yeah, let's talk. Let's talk rap. I would love to. Um, seems like for you to be connected with Dead End, that means you uh, you know your stuff. So anytime you got my number, shoot a text, anything, man. All right, man. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll we'll have you back on the podcast a little later in the season. Check on the Pistons. Sounds good, man. Thank you. Yeah.